one. Welcome back to Backward Point. This is a cricket podcast. My name is Bashar, and with me, as always, is my brother and co-host. Nazar Sayed, one fifty-one out on the last over. Wanted to say that out loud. Okay, sounds good. Every time Babar Azam scores a hundred, your your reel that you made of you saying every time Babar scores a hundred, that reel goes viral. Yeah, because it's it came from the heart, and uh, it's true. A lot of people feel that way about Babar centuries. They feel like they have a certain ownership to Babar Azam, the creator, the Babar Azam, the cricketer, and then obviously Babar Azam, the creator as well as, as we know him in the Pakistani team. He's one of those p- players that. The Pakistani team, uh, the Pakistani fans feel like they they know him. They've, we've seen his rise ever since his start and when he debuted, and now he's taken over the team. And it's like it's a personal victory for the, for us. And that's why, even if it's a team like Nepal where he scores 151, like I said in the beginning, it feels like we did it. And there's a certain level of parasocial accomplishments, which I am also a victim of. So why not? And we discussed this in the past episode that there's no really letter for Babar Azam because if he scores against Nepal, it's uh, it's like, okay, it's Nepal. But if he doesn't score, it's like, oh, he can't even score against Nepal. Yeah, there's no, like, there, he can't win. There's a relentlessness. Like when he scores centuries against Zimbabwe, Zimbabwe, I almost said Zimbabwe. When he scores centuries against Zimbabwe, people are like, oh yeah, that's what happened. And then when Pakistan loses from Zimbabwe in the World Cup, People are like, oh, wow, you can't even secure a win there. So there's, it's like a lose-lose situation for him. Uh, the only way Babar Azam, the cricketer, gets out of a situation like this is when he scores centuries, big centuries against big teams. So his real, his real test will be on 2nd September. Um, but this was a good mock exam, I would yep. say. Let's get into the match. This is going to be uh, a Pakistan versus Nepal match review and also a Pakistan versus India match preview if that match happens. Um, the weather doesn't look too good. So Pakistan wins a toss. They bat first. Were you surprised by Pakistan's playing 11? Or were you were you really like, that That was what I expected? Because Not, they announced the playing 11 like a day before the match. That Which was a ballsy move, by the way. I wasn't even, a remo- I wasn't even remotely surprised by um, Pakistan's playing 11. I thought this was the strongest Pakistan team available. I think this is, in my opinion, one of the strongest Pakistan teams that we've ever seen on the field. In a very long time, everyone's settled. All the roles are defined. Uh, we have a, an attacking leading captain who scores big runs. Um, I, there was no shocker in that playing 11 for me at all. I was, hands down, I could have picked this blind out of a hat. I would have picked these 11 people. Which is, which is a good sign because that's how you know Pakistan's team is settled. That's how you know there's been consistency with giving people chances in the team. Uh, you mentioned last episode that Fakhar Zaman's form is a bit scary. And even though he got off to a good start this match, like he scored three boundaries in his 14, he wasn't able to capitalize on his score and got out cheaply again. Is Babar's form a point of concern now? Fakhar's form? Yes. Sorry, Fakhar. Fakhar. Fakhar Zaman's form. Sorry. No, I don't think it's... A, it's lo- I think it's a law of averages. Uh, he's played four games. He's been underwhelming on all four of them. Um, it just, you know, the law of averages suggests that the next game has to be his big game. And um, if everything goes right weather-wise, I, I do believe it will be a big game for him. And now a big game doesn't always mean a century. It could mean a 45-ball 60-70, which is equally as um, damaging, impactful, damaging as anything else could be. So 
I and plus Bob Fucker is a different beast against India. It's something that switches, and it's high time for him to step up and, and prove his uh, his ilk. And I think it'll happen in the next game. He is a player that stops up in big matches. We've seen him perform in the 2017 Champions Trophy final, scored a magnificent hundred. Also in the 2021 T20 World Cup semifinal against Australia, just smashed um, Mitchell Stark out of the park and scored a really much needed 50 for Pakistan at the time. So again, hoping the next match happens and, Bob, and Fakhar steps up and performs well. I don't know why I keep saying Babur. Babur is just on my mind. What can Bobber I- is on all of our minds, man, and all of our hearts. The way he played, the way he's been playing the past three ODIs, it's just, it's nice to see him in good touch. It's a positive sign for Pakistan. I think if you can carry that form over to the Asia Cup and then over to India uh, for the World Cup, we might be having the, let's just say the cabinets, the trophy cabinets in um, the PCB will be a little more cramped because they're going to need some space. Uh, Imam had a slow start and then he got run out. It's, that was never a run. He middled the ball straight to the mid-off fielder and then he runs for it. It was his call. Bobber just followed through. And Imam was short by a mile. You know, uh, Imam will can renounce our starting to go hand in hand. It does run Almost in the family. genetic, yeah. It's genetic. <laughs> it runs in the family. He does have an Ulhak in his last name. But, I mean, at least even Rizwan got run out. So two of your top four batters getting run out in a huge tournament like the Asia Cup. I think this is criminal. I think Pakistan team needs to sit down and actually discuss what's going on. What happened with Imam was a bad call. What happened with Rizwan was, it was foolish. Yeah, it almost felt like he didn't try. Um, he was in the air, bat not grounded. That's regulation, like that we teach that in, in, in the academies. That's how you do it. We know that even in, when you're playing tape ball in the streets, like you have to drag your bat. Um, in, in tape ball in the streets, though, like just a little aside, if you don't drag your bat and even if you're in, the umpire would most likely give you out. But if you drag your bat and you're even a little bit suspicious, the umpire will give it to the favor of the batsman. So like, that's how important dragging your bat is um, when it comes to running between the wickets. Um, I, I don't expect that from Rizwan. I was very shocked to see that. That's his second time being run out in the past four games. Uh, he, has to, he has to pick up. Pick Last up. time was in Sri Lanka when he was batting with Imam. Also not really a run, but he got a really good throw. It was a direct hit. Um, but so. you got to be cognizant of those. You got to be wary of those runs. You don't need to take those in crunch situations. Bro, if this happens in a big match, like an India-Pakistan match or an Asia Cup final, like that's, it's going to be so damaging because that one runout will just shift the whole momentum of the team. It's the start of a collapse. That's how we collapse, man. Because then somebody else comes out, tries to consolidate, tries to get some big shots. I don't know what Saman Aliaga has been trying to do for the past four games, like trying to reverse sweep every single ball. Then he gets out on those. Like you get those, you add those up and suddenly you're like 50 for four. Now what do you do? Luckily, when Imam got run out, we didn't have a collapse because Baba and, and Rizwan they steadied the ship. 86 in partnership. Rizwan scores a quick 44. Babar likes to take his time, likes to build his innings towards that. But again, like you mentioned, Rizwan turn out, Aga Salman, Salman Yaga, reverse sweeping out again. I think this is his second time getting out, reverse sweeping in the last three innings. Um, when, he, when the shot gets off, like when he gets it through, it's a great shot, but when he doesn't, it, it looks bad and you're like, why did you need to do that? Yeah, and this has been two times the past three innings, like you said. And I think he should either perfect it in the nets or just stop attempting it for the time being. Because him being out cheaply like that, it just looks bad on him, on his numbers, on the type of player that he is. 
there's a reason that he's being sent over Iftikhar. There, there's a confidence in the think tank in the Pakistani camp regarding him. And he just sort of is bottling it right now. And I don't want, I don't want to see that. in the There's also conversations of Saud Shaquille playing ahead of Salman um, Aliyala. And that's also added pressure on him because people are like, we need a lefty in the middle order. Having Saud Shaquille at number five ahead of uh, Salman Aliyala would be a good choice. It would further strengthen your playing 11. If Tahar at six is fine. Um, but yeah, that's, again, like he's playing in a lot of pressure. I'm hoping that he has a backing from the team captain and management that they're just going to stick with him for the next few games um, just so he can play freely because uh, I think the more secure you are mentally of your position in the team, the more freely you're going to play on the ground. I think the whole South Shaquille debate is just a little bit of a, it just came out of nowhere. And it's quite Bro, random. those two boundaries, one edge and then one was a, I mean, that, those nine off five balls. I don't mind him being on the squad, but this argument that has suddenly shifted and that has sort of started pinpointing the Pakistani lower middle order and is like, yo, we're weak. I don't know where that's coming from. I don't know what they're talking about. Not everybody in the middle order can click all the time. When, when Iftikhar wasn't clicking, Salman Aliaga showed up. Or, uh, what is Salman Aliaga, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I keep hearing Aga Salman for some reason. Anyways, Salman Aliaga shows up. And then when Salman Aliaga isn't playing, Iftikhar shows up like he did today. So that's what the middle order is supposed to do. You're supposed to consolidate and make sure that you're basically having each other's back as much as possible. And the one thing that I like about this Pakistani middle order is that you can rely on, if not one, then the other, then the other. And it's very rare to see that in a Pakistani middle order. And, and, I'm, and I'm glad that that's, that's the consolidating point. Also, the backbone of this Pakistani batting is the top three. And we've seen that time and time again. Imam sticks up, plays with the middle order, or um, Babur sticks up and plays with the middle order. Fakhar's time is coming. I think it's, it's close by, maybe a game or two more, and you'll see Fakhar also getting back into his groove. So as long as we have one of the top three playing with the middle order, the middle order is going to be fine. I think with Fakhar, like as, if he's playing 15 to 20 overs, that's enough for him to destroy any side on his day. We saw him in the New Zealand series that happened in Pakistan. He was in some form, uh, but just not able to convert those starts into big innings. And I'm hopeful, like you mentioned, that Fakhar will step up in the next coming matches. Um, I was so happy to see Iftikhar in the runs again and, and scored a massive, huge century, his first ever in international cricket. And the reason why he scored that century was because he came into bat in the 28th over. We mentioned last episode that Iftikhar has scored all of his runs at number four in Leicester cricket. He is a kind of a batsman where he likes to come in, see a few balls, settle in, and then go berserk. And that's exactly what happened. He has two big scores in ODIs. The first one is the, the century score today, and the 94 he scored against New Zealand, which you saw live in Karachi. I saw it live, yeah. In this match, he came into bat 28th over, built the innings, and then went berserk. In the game against New Zealand and Karachi, he came into bat in the, I believe, the 18th or 19th over. So again, he had time to build in innings. I just think, Given the performance of Iftikhar, maybe he deserves a promotion just one step ahead of Salman Aliyala. If we play Iftikhar at five, it'll give him an opportunity to settle in, read the ballers, read the conditions, and then assess how he wants to score those roles. Do you think Babur's going to make that switch? I don't know. What I know of Babur and what I've seen of his mentality, like he likes to pick one combination and stick with it. I, I want to take you back to the 2021 T20 World Cup, he persisted with an out-of-form Hassan Ali 
which almost cost, I, I, I know it, it did cost us the world cup. Um, he did make some more changes at the last world cup. So I'm hoping that he is more flexible and not as rigid as he has tend to be in the past. I think it's a different Babar Azam altogether. I think the captaincy has matured. The player has matured. His game sense has matured. Um, I think he's willing to take those risks. I think he's in a point of his career where, where he's hungry for trophies now. And he's, he's never going to be as good as he is right now. It's, that's just the fact. He's 29 years old. He's peak uh, Babar Azam. He's scoring centuries at well. He's scoring shots at well. He's never going to be as big as he is right now. So he wants to capitalize on this momentum. He wants the Easter Cup. He wants the ODI World Cup. He wants the WTC Mace. He also wants the T20 World Cup next year. He wants all four of this complete his, his, uh, and the Champions Trophy in 2025 if he retains himself as the captain. But these are some of the trophies that he's looking at consistently. And with his form, with the team he has, anything less than a finals appearance, is, it's tragic. And I think he knows that and he's willing to do anything to get those. Even if it's shuffling a little bit of a middle order, you know, he's, we saw the Osama Mir promotion. Why can't if the car be promoted like that as well? Good point. Uh, and like you mentioned, Barber is hungry for those wins. At the same time, he wants to keep up with the runs that he's scoring. And I think Barber Azam owns ODI cricket right now. There is nobody better in this format. Numbers back him up since the 2019 World Cup. He's just shifted to a different gear. He's on a different level. Um, and I feel like Barber Azam is constantly out there trying to prove people wrong. Or like, oh, he scored 100 against Nepal. Oh, scored against Australia. Done. Scored in a World Cup against New Zealand. Done. Scored in Australia. Done. Against England in England. Done. So, and, and people are still criticizing him, which is crazy because we've never had a batsman like Babar Azam in our history. Um, That's what I feel like. Like, I feel like because the Pakistani people, the Pakistani cricket fans have never had a Babar Azam, they don't know what to do with him. It's like that really uh, famous line from The Dark Knight where the Joker says, I'm like a dog chasing cars. I wouldn't know what to do with it when, if I caught one. That's exactly it. We're, we're a dog chasing cars and, and we caught a car, which is Babar Azam. We just don't know what to do with the star power that he has, the talent that he has, the, just the hard work that he puts into his game. We just have never had that kind of security in our cricket team, at least not in the past 15 years since Babar took, took the reign. Since I would say Safraz sort of brought the stability and then Babar capitalized on it. Before that, it was just, you know, who runs the world? We have no idea. So it was because of that, we sort of have a little bit of a PTSD with Babar Azam. That's why we we're a bit more harsh on him. We we're a bit more um, like the, the reasons that we critique him make no sense to me sometimes. That's the, reasons, the reason why people like Shweb Jutt exist, where they just want to pinpoint him, break him down, tear him down, pull him to the ground. But Babar is ahead of all of these people. I just want to know who media trains this guy because he is cool as a cucumber in all situations. He has four answers. I can tell you them right now. He repeats them in all, all formats. Like he will never, you'll never make, see him sound cocky. You'll never see him sound like, bombastic, even when he has the right to be, even when he scores 150 runs against any opposition. That's a lot of runs against any opposition. You'll never see him being bombastic. He's just there to play the game and, and, and to get the trophies. And I love that. You know, I just think it's the mindset. Like, Babar, I've seen a lot of podcasts, interviews of him. I've studied him very closely. And his mentality is Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. <laughs> whatever I've achieved, it's in the past. I got to move forward. I got to look ahead. Uh, I can't be satisfied with my performances. I got to keep churning out more performances, better performances. Even when he scores 100, he looks back and says, 
how can I get better? Where can I improve? And I think when someone has that mentality and when he's instilling that mentality into the team, you'll see results like this. And, and, and Barber today, nonstop, is 19th ODI 100. He is only behind Saeed Anwar, who has 20 ODI 100s and 247 matches. And Barber has 19 and 105 or 6, I believe. Yeah, 102, 102 innings. So Barber is, he's crushing Pakistani records. He is, he also became the quickest to 19 ODI 100s, um, surpassing Hashim Amla and Virat Kohli. So the numbers he's putting up is insane. Barber's innings per 100 ratio is unmatched to anybody in the world right now in ODIs. And he's way past, he's way ahead of any Pakistani batsman in history. Today was also his 31st international 100. So he, he went past Javed Miyadad. He ties up Javed. He ties up Javed. He ties up Miyadad, Saeed Anwar, Inzamam, and, and himself. They, they're all 31. And then Yunus Khan and Muhammad Yusuf are ahead of him, which, which I, I'm sure in no I time... Saeed Anwar uh, is also... I had, no, wait. I got to see that list again. Th- but, 31 for Babur, and then Muhammad Yusuf has 39, and um, Yunus Khan has 41. Okay, that makes sense. So, yeah. so Babur, he's not too far away. Again, if you compare the matches that they've played versus what Babur has played... It's peanuts. Like he's yeah. just getting started and he's just at his peak. The sad part about all of this is still the fact that Bobber is not playing as many ODIs in his peak as he should be. Um, and that's why maybe I think when he retires in 10 years, it might his numbers might not be comparable to a Sachin or a Virat or a Ponting because he might have more T20 numbers behind his thumb, behind his uh stand. Yeah, but in T20, he opens as well and he has three centuries. He has 20 overs versus 50 overs to build an innings, I get capitalize. That. I get that. Um, in the next few weeks, how many ODIs is Pakistan playing? Like Pakistan played three just now, and then and he's then playing one, so one, against, the Cup. one against India, and then he's playing um, three in the in the group match of the next round of the Asia Cup, and then nine in the World Cup. So nine plus three, 12, 13. 13, and then he just played three before sixteen, um, and then if he plays the Asia Cup final, that's seventeen. So that's not bad. That's not bad. I I think he has an opportunity to up those numbers for sure. Uh, as uh, Matthew McConaughey says in Wolf of Wall Street, those are rookie numbers. You got to up them. So I feel like that's going to happen soon. Um, but you're right. I, will he surpass? Will he be the number one cent- centurion when it's all said and done? Yes. But my question to you is, do you think you'll hit 75 centuries? It's tough to say. I think for Bobber to hit... That's in all, all formats, right? That's test yeah. 220s included. For Bobber to score 7,500s, he'll need to really capitalize on his test, uh, test centuries. He's had a, he had a slow start or a stuttering start to his test career. For the longest time, uh, it, it took him a, a very long time to get his first test 100. <coughs> he has sort of converted his... Um, like improved his, his test match numbers. He averages 47.17 now. Has nine test match hundreds, but he has a lot more 50s. So he needs to really improve his conversion rate. When he scores a 50, make sure you score 100. Not only 100, but a big 100. Um, and I think ODIs, if, if he keeps playing more and if he's playing at this rate or better, there's no doubt that he'll, he'll be up there with, with the greats. He's already is. The 2025 Champions Trophy, that's an ODI event, right? Yes. Okay, so there's some, some games there as well. I'm just thinking, because like, as last I heard, 2024, Pakistan is playing zero ODIs. It's possible because it's a it's a it's a T twenty year T twenty year yeah, but that's like I don't get it. You know what I what I what I also don't understand right now is that England and who's playing England right now? New Zealand. England is playing New Zealand, and then Australia. It's a T twenty. And Australia is playing South Africa, also a T twenty. What's happening there? Money, broadcasting. Ads. Why not ODIs? 
I don't know. It's an ODI World Cup year, is it not? I think, it, I think, it doesn't make um, sense to me. Isn't it? And what's freaky also is the number, the score was like in the 200s. And I was like, this has got to be a 50 over game. But no, it was T20s. I think India is playing Australia just before the World Cup in India, right? Yeah, yeah. That's so happening. that's an ODI series coming up. But yeah, I just think people have talked about this like bilateral ODI series are like no one's really watching that. I think. Okay. What's the point of it? So I have a theory on that. Maybe, okay, bilateral ODI series, that's fine. But why can't the top 10 or top 12 nations just have like a tri-series every now and then? That's more fun. That's more engaging. You get three world-class countries. Let's say you get a Pakistan, Australia, and England. Tri-series in Australia. Who's not watching that? They used to have that. I think Pakistan played a tri-series, Pakistan, West Indies, and Australia in 2005. Uh, this is where Afridi smashed Brett Lee, Glenn McGraw. Um, we had a injured Shrebakhtar as, as, as he always is. But that was a fun series. But what I'm saying is like, it, there's the higher stakes. You know right? what I you know what I miss? I miss the World 11 versus Asia 11 matches. Those, those were, used to be fun. Those used to be fun, yeah. Like there was a time where the World 11 team would face Australia. Because yeah. they were just the best team. They were just the best And Australia team. would still win. It was kind of like an all-star Champions League type situation. Exactly. Champions League game. But like what I'm saying is like, okay, maybe the bilateral series are not as interesting unless it's an England, Australia, Ashes, or it's a Pakistan, India series. But you can have a tri-series which is could be set in a neutral venue and you just play the best team. Like that's more fun. There's more stakes. There's actually a trophy involved. Um, you know, every team plays each other two times. Like you just sort of mix it up a little bit. You, you do that, you get more ODIs in, people have more interest and then and you sprinkle a few T- T20s. There are ways to update this. I don't know what the ICC is doing, but if you guys ever need help, the ICC, backward point is ready to advise. We here. Um, so the other reason why... I think it's important for Bobber to play ODIs is just because of how he paces his innings. He scored his first 50 off 72 balls, his next 50 off 37 balls, and his third 50 that got him to 150 off just 20 balls. So Bobber knows how to pace his innings, where to up the ante, where to put the pedal on the metal and put the pressure back on the bottles of bowlers. Um, and I, I watched the, the last half of his innings and it was just surreal. And I was like, man, this guy knows what he's doing. The one-handed six, are we going to talk about that? It was a beauty to see that. Firstly, the man has the hats are off, the helmet's off. Just him, tired, multan, heat, humidity. Everything is tearing him down. The gravity is 10x. And he comes out, he swings the kitchen sink at it. One hand six over mid-wicket. Beautiful. Beautiful to see. For me, it was actually the, the inside out six against Sandeep Lamachane. Oh, the on, over cover? Over cover. Again, it's all He beauty. owns that shot, Bob, but I've seen him play it many times. and. As, a, as someone who plays cricket myself, I, that's a very difficult shot to play. You know the precision you need to middle that, time that, and make sure it goes over the boundary? Because that's, he didn't swing at, it wasn't a heave. It was a calculated drive, like a push over cover all the way for six. Like you have to, your, your timing has to be meticulous. Your shot section has to be immaculate. You must know where the ball is breaking. Like all of the, the science behind that one shot is, is huge. I could do a whole university course on it. That's how beautiful it is. But there's something to be said about that one-handed six. He's tired. He's, he's like a bloody warrior. Like, you know, he's trying to get some more runs, get a few more inches in the war, in the battle that he's battling. And he gets it, man. Like the one, I just wish he was not out. And I would love to see his average because he's already crossed 60. No, it's just, he was at 60 when he was batting. He was at 60. When he got out, it's like 59 points. I think I just checked a quick info was 60.04. 
double check that because I think it's. Uh, yeah, it's I will. It's, I will double check that. It's gone down to to fifty nine point something, uh, and also because of how long Bauer was playing, his fitness levels were checked. I did not see him come out to field, uh, and Shadab Khan, the vice captain, was fielding, which I think was good. Uh, Bauer's captaincy is important, but I think for Bauer to be well rested and recovered for the India match, uh, because we talked last episode as well that there's uh there's a level of um. A travel fatigue involved because they're going to fly to Palakele, flying in the air, coming back, recovering, um, and then coming back to Sri Lanka, adapting to those conditions. So it's, it's a challenging few days. And I'm not sure if this hybrid model is actually going to be disadvantageous to Pakistan because a team like India is playing all of its matches in Sri Lanka. So they'll be more adept to the conditions there because they're just playing in Sri Lanka. Uh, just a little uh, a word on the average thing we were talking about. Yeah, his average currently is 59.47. When I checked, it was 60.04 or something like that. So yes, his average is, is kissing 60 right now. And what I would do for it to be over 60, oh my God, it would... Just Fourth be- highest in the world, I reckon. Yeah, I think it has to be, has to be. For, amount, for the amount of runs he has, he has uh, in total 5,353 runs and at an average of 59.47, 12 not outs. So... Insane, like, and this is the, this is guys at his peak right now. There's at least seven to eight years of more cricket left, maybe more. Uh, definitely more league cricket left in him. So we're gonna be seeing a lot more of of these numbers come up. Um, the whole travel fatigue thing you were talking about. I also wanted to discuss that a little bit because I genuinely think it's as Pakistan being the host nation. I think it's unfair that they have to do the most travel. I don't know what Zakashtra was doing and how they managed the schedule. Why there are matches in Kandy and not Colombo? It's it's a capital state. It's a, it's a one flight situation. Um, I was just checking um, the travel situation for Pakistan right now. Pakistan has a flight at three a.m. So they left the hotel around one a.m. and then they fly to Colombo, which is a four and a half hour flight. And then from there, they have to take a four hour bus to Kandy. That's insane. Because Kandy doesn't have an international airport or something of that nature. What really? Yeah. And then they get to their hotel around ten to twelve. And then, and then, you know, they have the rest of the day. So they have to sleep on the airplane. Yeah. And so the day before the game, this is all from Yachty Sports, if I'm being honest. I was just, I hate watching them so much, man. Sushant is a, he sucks as a person. Cause I know what he's doing when he's, when he's live streaming, he's just trying to instigate, he's trying to get those, um, uh, those numbers up, trying to get people to pay, put in those questions. He's instigating on both sides, by the way, that, that's what he does. But it, it's, it's great hate watch stuff. I do it all the time. One of the people that he has on the panel, he's, he's, a, he's a good bloke. He was talking about it. And um, this, this schedule sounds insane because um, the next day uh, is a rest day, but it's a, it's a volunteer practice session. Like whoever wants to come to practice can practice, but it's not mandatory. And then the day after that is game day. So it's hectic. It's really hectic. And all of this could be resolved if India and the BCCI were just coming to Pakistan. Bro, all the, of this could be resolved. what the thing is? Pakistan doesn't even have the hosting rights. Like it, so the, the logo doesn't say Pakistan. I right. wanted to talk about that. So talk about pettiness. Talk about um, just pure arrogance. Talk about, quite honestly, a shameful act. Every single tournament that it's hosted bears the name of the hosting nation. In the UAE, uh, there was the Asia Cup. It said Afghanistan underneath the Asia Cup. Um, when the, whenever there's a neutral venue, the hosting nation gets rights, right? Just right now. The, the ODI series against Afghanistan, it was in Sri Lanka, but who guess who were the hosts? Afghanistan. And they got those rights. This is the first time I've seen that the Asia Cup is being hosted by Pakistan after 15 years, which should be something that is rejoiced, celebrated, and just completely like uh, 
the shown lots of love from everywhere around is being degraded, is being depleted. The, it's trying to be, it's, it's trying, people are trying to erase the fact that Pakistan are hosts at the moment. And that shows from the fact that the Asia Cup hosting rights name is not shown on any of the kits, including Pakistan. And I think this, I have no proof of this. This is pure speculation. I think this has to do with the BCCI not even wanting to mention that Pakistan is the hosting nation of the Asia Cup. They don't want that on the Adidas-sponsored Indian shirts. They don't want that. And I think that's shameful. That's petty. And the only way that Pakistan can respond to this kind of misdemeanor, this kind of petty ex-girlfriend behavior, is if Pakistan gets the Asia Cup and gets the World Cup in India. That's the only way we reply. No other way. Bring it home, man. I'm fired up because this is... You've embarrassed us. You're trying to insult us on a national stage. You've done that with the ICC promo, which we were quiet about. You've done that by taking away our rights to host the Asia Cup, which we were quiet about. But now you have gone the extra mile just to make sure. Like, you know what? I'm not just going to block you on WhatsApp. I'm I'm not just going to block you on Instagram. I'm going to block you on WhatsApp as well. That's that kind of behavior. So if that's how you want to play it, then we're out here. We're going to steal everything that you have, your pride, your, your, your stance, India already has a shaky middle order, shaky uh, playing 11. I just hope Pakistan capitalizes on that. I, I, I wish nothing more than that, more to have that game on Saturday. I don't want it to be a washout. I don't want it to be a rainout. I want Pakistan to play. I want Babur to be on fire, to be pissed off, and to win against India. That's all I want. That's a long rant. Humiliate us, insult us, but the one thing you can't do is ignore us. We're coming for these trophies. Um, and Pakistan is a force to reckon with right now in ODI cricket. Um, and I can't wait to see what these boys do. Um, I wanted to sort of come back to the game and talk about the knock from Iftikhar. Uh, the first 50 off 50, uh, 43 balls, his second 50 off 28 balls. The fourth fastest century in Asia Cup history. Uh, I saw Afridi was on that list for a couple of times and it was the same Asia Cup back in 2010. And Asia Cup was wild. Um, just an overall great knock. Just that finishing punch that Pakistan needed was what Iftikhar provided to us. Um, such a shame. We almost got him on the podcast, which is a story for a different day, but lovely to see him perform. I, I've been a huge of the maniac since um, the past few years. He's a, he's a, he's a gro- great bloke, domestic top performer. And this is what happens when you respect your domestic cricket and domestic players. They come onto the big stage and they make big scores for you. Yeah, for sure. If Tukhar has sort of had an overdue um, situation with, with his batting. Uh, he's sort of also been a, a little bit disrespected, in my opinion. Um, I was there when he scored the 94 against New Zealand, and I was in the Karachi crowd sitting on mid-on, and I could see the ball just travel and travel and travel as soon as it kissed the bat. And that's the type of power that he has, and that's the type of the power that the Pakistan cricket team needs, needs to capitalize on, especially in your middle to lower middle order. Um, and just the way that Pakistan bats deep is just gorgeous. Like, they bat up until Shaheen Afili. That's number 10. Number nine, I should say. 10-11 is Naseem and Haris, who can also do, you know, chip in when they need to. So it's just beautiful to see. I think if Tukhar, just the way he rejoiced, told us that this was pent up for a very long time and that, um, you know, they should not ignore him anymore. And I don't think they will. Um, I think Babur had complete faith in him that he was going to be the steady spine of the lower middle order. And he's shown himself to be that. And so he's, he's the core member of the Pakistan 11, bro. Coming back to Pakistan's bowling, uh, I saw Shaheen after these first over getting the ball to swing. It wasn't as accurate the first few balls, but still managed to get a wicket. That in-swinging ball he bowled to the captain of Nepal, 
whose name was luckily also Rohit. So when he was getting out, we saw the, the digital card saying Rohit LBW by Shaheen Afridi. Almost brought back memories to the 2021 T20 World Cup. singing, bro. Deja vu. You can say deja vu or you can say foreshadowing. Okay, whatever you want. Either Not or. Me. But it was just, the ball was like, everybody knows. Everybody knows it's Afridi bowling. First over, it's going to be quick, in swinging, on the wickets, on the pads. But despite that, you cannot retaliate. There's no way to counter that. And it just looked like um, Nepal's captain was a, was a few days late to that, to that shot, re- even reacting to it. It was too quick. It was swinging in. Uh, it was the first ball up. Like, you got to hand it to him. Like, Nepal didn't really have a choice. Nepal's captain, Rohit, didn't have a choice. He, he couldn't do a lot. Like, he even tried to review that. And I was like, this is like insult to injury type situation. Like, now you have to, now everybody on the big screen has to see it twice. That you completely had no idea where that ball was going and it was hitting middle and off. So, yeah, like everybody looked in good form. There was sort of like an injury situation going on with Shaheen. Scary. Scary. Um, but I don't think it's much. I think it's just fatigue. Um, Multan has one of the harshest weathers in Pakistan. Um, so, you know, I'm not surprised that people are cramping up. The way that Babar was batting near the end, last five overs, he didn't want to be there. He was done. And he was one of, he's one of the fittest persons he's, in the team. Yeah, he had like the third highest uh, fit score um, or whatever it is, the beep score. The yo-yo score. Yeah, in Pakistan cricket right now. So like, if he's cramping up, that, that tells you something. Um, I have a question for you. I, I noticed that Shaheen oftentimes goes for runs. He, I think he, his economy was around five, the first spell. Nassim, however, is more of like, um, he's more of a defensive bowler. Like, I feel like Shaheen should pull his length back a bit and Shaheen, uh, Nassim should go a bit more fuller. Do you agree with that? Or do you think Shaheen should keep bowling the same lens, like keep going for runs, but get us, get us a few wickets? I think there's no harm in going for runs. Um, that's what I tell you um, when you're playing for Cher, Cher CZ, uh, that this is what you do as well. You, you are a very defensive bowler and you may not give as many runs, but you don't take any wickets then either. <laughs> so like, I would rather you go for, it's only, like you bowl in T20s, right? It's only four overs. If you go for 30, but you take three wickets, what, what's what's more important? But okay, but now if it's four overs, you go for 15, 17, but you don't take any wickets and then the same player hits like 50 later on. What's the, what's the point, right? So if Shaheen is trying to like be defensive and like lets and beats Rohit all 24 balls he bowls to uh, Rohit in a T20, for example, what's the point? Rohit can come out and score like 40 runs and two overs. Like the wickets over runs all the time. That's why I don't mind Hottest going for 70 if he can give me three or four. That doesn't, that's not a problem for me because Harris is an attacking bowler. He's going to go for runs, but you know why he's going to go for runs? Because people are going to want to attack him. And when people attack, that's when you, that's when you attack. So I think Nassim is fine. Him being defensive sort of helps Shaheen because, you know, if you're, if you're choking the opponent off one end with runs, they're going to try to go uh, off the other end. And I'd rather try, people try to attack Shaheen and him as elegant and as, like as kind of like a viper that he is, he'll he'll he won't let them. Harris clocked in one fifty one k today, and yeah. I saw a stat where it showed Pakistan's Pakistan pace bowlers average speed. Harris was bowling average speed; it's one forty six. Nasim was one forty one, and Shaheen was one forty. So, great signs for this Pakistani fast bowling trio. I just hope nobody gets injured because I'm like, for a moment when Shaheen was going off the field, I was like. If Shaheen does get injured, who comes in? Like, who's a new ball baller that Pakistan can trust? Is it Hasnain? Is it the honey? Does Wasim Jr. come in? Does Fahim Ashraf play? Like, what, what goes on? Um, I hope we don't have to explore that option. Um, because if we do, we'll be in a position that we were last year in the Asia. 
but there is a lot of cricket coming up. 17 ODIs that we just counted, that does not count the playoff. That does not count the semifinal. That does not count the final if Pakistan make it. Around 18 to 20 ODIs in all, all in all, that Pakistan potentially can play in the next six to eight weeks. So you got to really like, uh, as there's a term in um, the NBA called load management, you have to manage your load, right? Um, you don't want Shaheen to bowl five on the trot, maybe ball him four on the trot, rest him, bring him back for a couple, rest him, and then bring him back for the last. You got to break up your spells like that. You, you have to go easy on your bowlers um, and you have to make sure that they're, you, you use them spare, sparsely. You can probably go ham on your spinners. Like I think Shadab can come in and ball eight, eight on the trot, no problem. But it's hard for Haris Rauf or um, Jaheen to come out and ball at five on the trot. That's that's a big ask. Shadab bagged in four wickets today. I think he looked in the best form that he has in the past few months, especially in ODIs. And you know when Shadab is bowling good, when he is bowling his googlies and his, his, his straighter ones and his flippers. Um, and I think the googly for Shadab was his signature. That's when the first time we heard of Shadab, when it was the 2017 PSL. He bowled out Barbara Azam on his googly. He wasn't able to read it. Um, and the, That's more on Babar than it is on Shadab, to be honest. Babar has a history of not being able to read Googlies. Yeah. Russia That's why the Indians are so happy that Kuldeep... Uh, yeah, there's Kuldeep, bro. Kuldeep is the Babar remover. We'll get to that very soon. Uh, but yeah, so also a couple of good catches. Rizwan took a, a blinder. Almost reminded me of the days where Rashid Latif and Moin Khan used to like take catches on first lip. Um, I even heard Rashid Latif tell a story where Saitanbar wasn't a good fielder, so they would hide him on first lip. Just because Rash Latif knew that he could jump to first slip and take catches. Uh, so Saitanur was like an NPC there. That's such a, that's such a good Rash Latif story. Like, I love that because he is one of those crazy fielders. One of the best keepers Pakistan had, to be honest. Yeah. And, and when we saw Rizwan playing here in Canada live, like he, he's agile, he's fit, he jumps around. And we often forget that about Rizwan, that he is the best wicket keeper in Pakistan. Because his title is wicketkeeper batsman. So his primary job is keeping wickets. And he's doing such a good job that we're not even talking about it. You don't notice it. It's only when you drop catches or miss dumpings that it comes becomes headlines. But mashallah, is doing good. He's really good. Yeah, bro. Uh, yeah, 100%. Even, even, like, even Amir Swift had to like bring out Andy Flower and be like, you realize that was a really good catch that he caught the, on, on um, Shaheen's first wicket. And even Andy Flower had to, become, had to come out and be like, oh yeah, yeah, that definitely was. Because when someone's doing such a good job, you don't notice it. Uh, same thing with Babar. Like when he scores centuries, you don't notice it. It feels effortless. But there's so much work and hard hard work put into those hours that we never see for that to look effortless. So for sure. Uh, I want to get to the Pakistan versus India match preview. Um, the first thing to mention is that the forecast for Palakala shows heavy rainfall. 94% chance of rain. 12 millimeters of rain scheduled with thunderstorms. So there's a good chance the match not, might not happen. Secondly, if the match does happen, we might see reduced overs. In the case of reduced overs, would you make changes to the box on them? Would you put Mohammed Harris and would you put Fahim Mushtaf in? Oh, very good question. If the match is under 30 overs, I would. I would remove uh, Salman Ali Aga and I would put Mohammed Harris in, 100%. Mohammed Harris has lots of chirping going on anyways, uh, especially on this podcast. He came in and talked a lot about India. So let's just see him back it up. You know, he comes in, he gives you a good 20-ball cameo. That's all you need. Uh, but that's only if the overs are reduced less than 30. Let's say if you have a 25-a-side match or even a 30-a-side match, that's when I would go uh, with a slight change. Otherwise, anything over 30 overs, you play like you would normally. And you, I would have the full-strength 11 go in. No worries about that. 
Good point. I think India, the big news that we heard from India recently is that Gail Rahul is not fit for the first two matches. And this is a huge issue for India. Whenever big, he plays against Pakistan, I feel like he's not fit. So what's the what's the big news here? It's uh, it's the fear of Naseem and Shaheen. I see. They've, I see. they've both removed him in the first over thing a couple of times. Um, so, I mean, I would have made the same excuse somehow. Uh, but yeah, Gail Rahul is injured, <laughs> which, which begs the question, like, India does not have a backup middle-lower keeper. The, the backup keeper in their team right now is Ishan Kishan, who is primarily an opener. So what do you do? Like, what does the Indian team do? Do they, do they make Ishan Kishan open with Shubman Gill and Rohit comes one down and Virat goes two down? Or do you try to fit in Ishan Kishan in the middle order at number five? India is already having uh, batting order issues with the person at number four. Shreyas Iyer, I think, will bat number four, but he's also coming back from a, a really serious lower back injury. So it, it's tough. A proper middle order batsman who's a keeper for India is Sanju Samson, who is in the reserves. But again, he is a good batsman, but not really a good keeper. So India is sort of in a pickle right now where where do you play and, and where does that person play? That's the one thing that I was looking at. So when I was watching a lot of Yari sport in the past couple of days, that's one thing. In the hours that I hate watch that show, they were not even able to come to a consensus of what the playing eleven of India should be. That's how rattled India is right now. They have there's a few things. They have a paradox of choices, but their choices are also limited. So it's like, okay, what do we do now? Like genuinely, what do we do? Um, I don't have the answer to that. To be honest, um, I'd be surprised with any eleven that they play. Um, but. What they shouldn't do, I can tell you that. They should not mess with the combination that they have. For example, if Virat Kohli is a specialist number three player, you don't play him at number four, right? If Ishan Kishan is a specialist opener, what is he going to do at number six? Number five. He could, he could five play or the six. aggressor, like, sort of like what Mohamed Harris would do in our team because he's an opener, right? Yeah, Mohamed Harris is an opener, but he's tried and tested in lower middle orders. Like he's, he's been there before. He's done it before. Ishan Kishan, do I have stats? Do I have... Any example of him coming in the middle? You're going to try him out as a third down in a Pakistan India game in an Asia Cup? I mean, good luck. You could do that. No one's stopping you. But if it fails, what happens to Asian Christian then? He's a great opener. Like he's, he's, he has a lot of talent. He could be the next, you know, the, the next opening pair for, Pakistan, for India in the next five to ten years, for sure. What but, if he scores runs? What happens to KL Rahul? Does, do you fit KL Rahul back in the team? Or do you just continue with Ishan Kishan? Because... The performances in this tournament will dictate what playing 11 India is going to play in the World Cup. Doesn't KL Rahul already have a question mark on his performance? Uh, uh, yeah, but I believe Rohit Sharma really backs KL Rahul. They have something going on where there's, there's a level of trust uh, that he has in KL Rahul. So I think that's what, who he's going to I don't even have with. trust in Rohit Sharma. How does he have trust in KL, KL so Rahul? The, the thing is, again, India has limited options. Their go-to keeper would have been Rishabh Pant, but obviously he's injured because of his car accident. Um, and he's still recovering. Good to see him coming back in the field. I saw some videos online, so I'm glad that he's sort of rehabbing and making his way back. Yeah, yeah. We need we need him. We need players like Rishabh Pant in Test cricket in ODI cricket because they just add a different flavor to the game. For sure. So so wishing Rishabh a quick recovery because we want to see him back on the international scene. The problem with India is, if I'm being very honest, it's very similar to what the problem with Sri Lanka was right when. Sangagara and Jayawardhan were sort of tailing off in their careers. They didn't have a replacement. Um, they had a lot of big names, but they didn't really have a one-to-one replacement for Sangagara and a one-to-one for Jayawardhan. That's the same thing I'm seeing in the Indian team right now. They don't have a Kohli 2.0. They don't have a Rohit Sharma 2.0. They don't have someone who can easily slid, slide back into those roles. 
at the same time, Rohit Sharma and Kohli are such veterans that there is no question to sit them out. Irreplaceable. Irreplaceable. Even if they're not performing. So that's the problem right now with, with the Indian team. Their, their 11 is very volatile. I was listening to Yari Sports. Again, lots of Yari Sports content here. Um, but it's just what I've been consuming. So that's what I'm talking about it. And it's the only Indian media that I've sort of consumed in the past three months um, when it comes to sports media. And, and then I realized why I don't do it because they're all, it's all sensational. It's all like in the air. Clickbaity what, stuff. Clickbaity stuff. So now I'll try to separate myself from it. But it's even they, uh, an Indian sports network is freaking out and like not really knowing what to do with their uh, 11. And the one thing that also literally made me laugh out loud is how highly they rate Boomra. And it's like a, they were making a one-to-one comparison with Shaheen Afridi. And every time they would do that, they would bump up Boomra higher than Afridi. And I was like, in what world? In what world is Boomra better than Shaheen Afridi? He hasn't played in international cricket in two years. Not, not counting the Ireland series just now. That was a very low-stakes series. But in reality, he hasn't played international cricket at the highest degree in the two years that he's been off. And the last time he did play uh, Pakistan, he wasn't able to get any wickets. And Pakistan beat them for 10 wickets. So what really is the comparison here, right? I don't know. Like, I feel like everyone's talking a big talk, even us. Like, we're, we're really confident and eager to see this game on, on Saturday. But n- n- the way that it plays out might surprise everybody. Yeah, I mean, with Burma even, like, it is a risk to even play him because he's coming back from an injury. He, the, the recent series that he's played as T20s, I'm sure he's been bowling long overs in the nets, but a Pakistan idea match pressure, bowling 10 overs at high intensity and, and hot and humid conditions in Sri Lanka, it's going to be tough. It's going to test his fitness levels and how well he's recovered. I, I don't think there's any comparison between Shaheen and, and Burma. They're two different kind of bowlers. Um, Let's just appreciate both of them and, and not have 100%. any comparisons. But I have a playing eleven that I made for India. Uh, so if I was the Indian captain, this is what I would play. I would play Rohit Sharma <laughs> and Shubman Gill as openers. I would keep Rahat Kohli at number three. That's where he scored the bulk of all of his runs, all of his career. So don't mess what's working. I have Shriya Ayer at number four. I have Ishan Kishan at five. Hardik Pandya, Ravindra Jadeja, Shami, Kuldeep Yadav, Mohammad Siraj, and Jaspreet Bumrah. There is a case to be made if India wants to add more batting depth that they can bench Shami and play Shardul Thakur. Um, I've even seen playing 11s where they've added um, like Shardul Thakur as an all-rounder because he balls medium pace, Jadeja as a batsman, and Akshar Patel. So they have a lot of all-rounders. So they, if they want, they can extend their batting lineup to have to like number nine. or. T- if India want to capitalize on their playing 11, I think they should go in with three spinners. That's something that can break Pakistan's middle order a lot easier than their fastballing could. So you play with two, two pacers and three spinners. It's Sri Lanka. It's turning, turning tracks. We saw it in the Afghanistan-Pakistan series. The spinners did give Pakistan a bit of trouble. If they really want to go in an attack full, in, in full attack mode, they should do that. That would give them a bit more edge. And that would show us that, okay, India is here to win. I'm not here to play the defensive game. They're here to attack. Do you think there's any sort of psychological pressure on Babar Azam because Kuldeep Yadav has removed him once the World Cup, once in the Asia Cup? Um, do you think there's going to be a, a sort of pressure on Babar to sort of battle that? Like, like there is pressure on Rohit Sharma against left arm pace that's that the ball swinging in. Um, that's a good question. I don't know. I, the way that Roh- the the way that Babar is playing right now, he there's fire in his eyes. So whoever comes in front of him, 
it's meaningless. That's how I'm reading the situation. But there might be some subconscious psychological pressures. Obviously, there has to be. Um, this baller has taken off, uh, taken him out twice in international cricket. Um, they're going to use him against Babar for sure. Babar is a little bit weaker with spin. That's just a fact of life. Um, what I would do if I was Babar Azam is I would see it off. You know, pick up my singles, get on the other other end, and to see it off. Give him the respect that he deserves. He's gotten me out twice, and then you know the rest of the bowlers are are, are pick for litter. Whoever I want to attack, I can attack. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's a good way to to sort of end this episode. We're very excited about the next. Uh, I have a last question for you before sure. we go. Go for it. It's a simple yes or no question. Who do you think is going to win in the Pakistan India on Saturday if we have a full fifty over game? So the longer the game is, the harder it is for any fluke to work, right? Because if you make mistakes, it's it's harder to sort of you still have an opportunity to recover and regain from that position. Um, I just think, given the team nomination, that given the informed side, I think Pakistan is a more gel side. They they have momentum with them from the Afghanistan series from the last game against Nepal, um, and I think like we mentioned, th- this team is different against India. Like they don't take it as playing against India. They take it as regular match. So if that happens, I think uh, we'll see a good match. I want to see a competitive match that goes Who's to, to win? the end. Being very Pakistan, diplomatic. Pakistan until the end. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a very good point you raised about um, Pakistan for the first time not being fearful of India. And I think it's the other way around. India has sort of the fear of failure, the fear of, oh my God, this is a Pakistan team that's number one in the world. They have that. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if Pakistan wins this quite comfortably, actually. And then I would love to be on Yari Sports and, and check whatever the reaction is because it fuels me. Yep. I love that. Given that Pakistan won today, we will see a round two of the India versus Pakistan match. So um, we'll see you guys next time if the Pakistan India match happens. Uh, you'll see a post-match review. Um, if not, we'll still see you sometime this weekend. So stay tuned. Um, this is Bashar signing out. If you're listening to us on YouTube, Please ensure you subscribe and like and leave a comment. Let's have some engagement. Um, And if you're listening to us on any of the audio platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, leave us a review that goes a long way and help bump our podcast up and and help reach a bigger audience. So again, Bashar signing off and with me, my brother and co-host. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Another Sayed here. And yeah, like, subscribe, share, comment. We reply to most comments. Uh, if you're respectful, if you have proper discourse, re- reply to them. If you're just being antagonizing, we totally ignore you. So that's just a tip if you guys want to get us get our attention. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you very much, you guys, for listening. And we'll see you guys right after the Boxing India game, man.